Hey guys, this is Alan and Leon, and welcome to Seize the Moment Podcast, episode 10. And today we're going to talk to you about love and dating. Oh yeah. And by the way, before we start, just want to say you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Instagram and at Seize uh, underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, also visit our channel on YouTube, Seize the Moment Podcast, hit and give bell. us, hit the bell. Yeah, it's to receive notifications every time we do an episode. Yeah. So... We're going to talk about love. love and dating. Oh, my God. This episode, man. So, you were telling me you were reading an article earlier yeah. today. So, there was this really good article. Ah, I don't remember exactly the author's name, but um, it was on Vice Mag. It was from Vice Magazine. So, the article is essentially about how kind of people use social media, and in particular, the tools that social media offers in order to kind of sort of... I guess the word is foster intimacy or, you know, kind of obviously at the other end of the spectrum, some people can even view it as sort of foster flirting or gameplay. But the point is, it's so interesting kind of, and then, you know, you and I and all of us were having this conversation earlier about how easy it is for us to use kind of social media, not only obviously to manipulate people or to sort of get what we want, but to also even show our attraction to one another. So I'll tell you this, as an Instagram user myself, Uh I know a little bit about this, just a little bit. I'm not like uh, an expert in, in wooing and all this kind of stuff. I may be a woo-woo yes. kind of an expert. Not, not that woo. But not that kind of woo. Yeah. But Different. I'll say this. <laughs> Whenever you do set up like an Instagram story, yeah. right, and you have somebody following you, say it's like, uh, for me in my case, it would be some kind of girl following uh-huh. my page. So every time I post a story, right, um, she it's a very low investment. She may uh, view the story, see what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like an indirect way of showing what's going on mm-hmm. without putting too much uh, pressure or asking the girl to kind of invest. Yeah. So she could just easily click, see what's going on with you, and then maybe, yeah, develop some kind of interest based on that. Um, maybe after a little bit, you can direct message her, she can direct message you, kind of get going from there. Right. But what's, I mean, this is uh, has been talked about probably ad nauseum, but and ad infinitum, mm-hmm. like, like Latin. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, it seems like like what happened. What happens to the old way of doing things? You know, you just kind of either go to a bar, you go to a library, yep. um, you're just walking outside, and you could meet somebody that way. But now the, the game's kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, and interestingly, right? So I mean, technically speaking, it's not even that people aren't meeting that way anymore. It's just that it's that plus social media now. So it's like they'll meet someone, they'll give them their Instagram handle or maybe their Twitter or whatever, and then they'll kind of go back and forth. And again, not necessarily saying that it's a game, right? Because sometimes people legitimately do it because they think like that's like the best way to flirt. But that's kind of what they do. You'll meet someone at a bar, at a club, and you'll be like, hey, you know, let me get your Instagram or they'll ask you for their Instagram. And then all of a sudden you're going back and forth looking through each other's stories. So you see, that's the new thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you still can do it the, the old way. I actually prefer to do it the old way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really old fashioned. I actually oh this is gonna be bad i'm gonna date myself right now mm. i actually asked for their facebook oh <laughs> <laughs> this, is before, this is before after their myspace uh i also get their myspace oh, good, good, but good. i make sure first to be cool i ask for their <laughs> facebook that's good no but uh <laughs> but for real i do do that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i also do the instagram but i'll be honest with you like i'm not on my personal instagram mm-hmm. i'm not so active yeah. i have gotten one i've been told it's a good idea mm-hmm you you sh- you should if you are in the mo- you know you're you're let's say you're dating you're kind of living the modern life you're let's say you live in a city or something like that right. I do think that there is a use to having an Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, posting what you do and all that it's just kind of a new 
uh, socialized thing to do. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives you like a social proof by even having one. Yeah. So I have a question for you. So how come you go for the Facebook and don't ask for their number? I used to ask for the number, mm -hmm. but I feel like I like, you know why I like Facebook? Mm. Because you kind of get a sense of like what they're into more. Mm -hmm. You know, so you could kind of screen them more. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying that like you're interviewing them or anything. You technically like that. are. You're both interviewing each other. And I hear you, but it's like it's as a frame, it's good because mm -hmm. you're kind of coming from this place. Like at least you're not um, cow tout. Like you're not like uh, putting the person on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. You're you are looking to see if they kind of fit certain kind of criteria that you like. Yeah. And. I like uh, I like Facebook to kind of know what they're about a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you can find that out from texting them. It just feels like so instant and quick mm -hmm. to either access their Facebook or their Instagram. Right. Um, and also, yeah, you give them access to yours. You get the, you let them see kind of what you're about mm -hmm. without having to explain everything all at once. You, know, and you don't have to explain everything, but yeah, go go. I was gonna say, you know what's so interesting? You just gave me a thought. So like, remember. I don't know, probably in the 90s or something. I don't know. Who knows what those people used to do. So, like, when, you know, you would start... Well, let's say you'd meet someone, right? And mm -hmm. Or maybe you'd get introduced to someone. And so you would start a conversation with them. And then you'd be like, hey, you know, like, I'm this person, right? And so tell me a little bit about you. And they tell you a little bit about them. And then the only way of contacting them was essentially through your telephone. So then it's like, you're like, oh, man, you know, I wonder what this person was really like. And then you kind of go on a date with them. And you learn a little bit about them. And then you're like, oh, I really like them. I want to go on another date. And then you learn a little bit more about them but it's like now when you do that and especially if you have like facebook or instagram you probably know not saying everything but you know a lot about them way before they're probably even ready to let you know so i mean obviously they're the ones uh, men and women who give out their instagram and facebook but i mean interestingly enough that kind of let's say um what's it called that's sort of that slow process the slow churning process isn't really there anymore so it's like you mean that slow process of like them going through the like the process of Right. getting to know you and like you. Right. Uh, I see. So you're kind of bypassing a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. So interestingly okay. enough, so in that article, and I'm going to pull up her name because I think it's kind of fucked up that I don't have it because I think it's a really important article. Mm -hmm. And then so interestingly enough, so what she says is that what happens is one of two things. So in the age of obviously social media, what we do is on the one hand, right, we kind of, I don't necessarily we get burned out, but we can become bored with the person where like when we know a lot about them, the sort of mystery is dead and we're like, nah, you know, I don't really care anymore. We think we know a lot Yes, about that's them. true. That's true. So, but, and some for some people who post a lot of stuff on Instagram I mean I would say we know not everything but I would think that we know a lot about them and so like you know you might go through the day to day and you might think like wow man this is so boring I don't want to date this person anymore mm -hmm. but then at the other end of the spectrum she argues what also could happen is you might actually really like the person and sort of obsession is triggered where it goes from like I know this much about the person and oh my god they're so amazing and then you go through more and more and it's like you're down this rabbit hole literally reading everything you possibly can about them that's 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 interesting. Um, I feel like I, I give uh, a lot of people like the benefit of the doubt, mm -hmm. uh, even when I see a whole bunch of posts kind of saying what they're about. I still even then don't. I don't think that's who they are. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, uh, I understand that if you broke it down objectively, you could probably get to that. Yeah. But even on the surface, I still give them the benefit of that because I feel like they're kind of coming from this place where they're trying to just pick their best moments yeah. or what they think is the most appealing like to an audience. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they're like, oh, I'm at a concert. You know what's so interesting? Yeah. Sometimes people post like really boring stuff on Instagram where they'll be like, this is me like eating cereal or this is me like going to work. So surprisingly, a lot of people actually do that and you actually get a glimpse into their boring day. All of our lives are boring. But the point is that you get like a, a glimpse 
glimpse into every single sort of part of their boring life. They're like, this is me doing this, and here's me watching TV. Here's a picture of my television set as I watch, like, the NBA Finals or Game of Thrones or whatever. People do that, man. People actually do that. Um, one thing that actually I wanted to bring up, like, I, I forgot this, like, at the very beginning of the podcast, but, mm. like, now it's a good idea. Mm. Um, the halo effect. When you see someone who looks amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful, all that, right, right, right. a lot of times you assume that they have the best uh, qualities about them, best character traits, everything right. automatically based on uh, just like, let's say, a pleasant physical appearance. Yeah. Um, now, here's the thing. A lot of... Um, this ha- actually works on both sides, male and female. Mm-hmm. However, I I would say that uh, men tend toward like visual cues for attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and women tend more towards behavioral ones. Mm-hmm. However, they do have, um, they do still look at uh, physical, yeah. like physicality. Girls do. Because um, a lot of, for example, say somebody's a good, like a, a well-built, like in-shape guy, right? Like Leon here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but, <laughs> No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I was only kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, but, <laughs> Don't take your compliment back, you scumbag. But, uh, yeah, so what may happen is, like, let's say from uh, a woman's perspective, she may think, like, oh, okay, Um, he's built so, in society, it's like like a lot of people think that being built is attractive, right? So somewhere in the back of her head, if it's not conscious, she's like, oh, okay, this is like another form of kind of like a social proof because you're kind of hitting one of those societal standards that are kind of in the mainstream. It's not necessary, I would say, to have a relationship. It's just like one of those little things that kind of like could trigger off in, let's say, a girl's mind. In a guy's mind, um, a lot of times it does go towards the uh, physical, um, like the uh, hip to breast ratio, Mm. uh, if it's a certain ratio, um, uh, or or if the the, uh, hips are a little uh, wider or something like that, it shows like from a evolutionary perspective that um, she would uh, bear uh, healthy children. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, a, a guy, like I'm not thinking that, when no, no around. one is, right. But that is, like, uh, uh, supported in... Um... Well, yeah, evolutionary psychology. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, and yeah. it's also... Um, what else was there? There was also the idea, obviously, that attraction or physical attraction literally indicates health. So, I mean, that has also been argued God knows how many times at this point. Like, symmetry, um, obviously, even, like, sort of the shape and colors of... Well, not color. I think it's the shape of one's eyes. Literally, the shape of the jawline for men. Um, no shape. Like... Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know enough about it to say. I mean, these are certainly very popular theories and ideas. Whatever you do know. Yeah, I mean, just but in terms of evolutionary psychology, I mean, I like it and I love the field a lot. But I got to tell you, out of all the sciences, uh, sciences though, it's actually the least supported, right? So, like, it's very hard to prove something like that. Like, I mean, how do you even conduct a questionnaire? Like, hey, why do you really like that person? Is it because they're healthy? I mean, and technically speaking, sort of, we also actually remember... We talked about intuition and system one thinking. So we actually make a really big mistake in terms of like evolution, in terms of what evolutionary psychology posits. So they say like when we look at weight, right, we sort of, we view it as health. Technically speaking, even if that's true, that's actually wrong, right? So intuitively we would see, let's say somebody who weighs, you know, X, right? Who has, let's say a BMI over like, um, whatever it is, I think it's 30, right? That's considered to be overweight or obese. Technically speaking, we make the assumption automatically that that person is unhealthy. Whereas that person can be completely healthy 
healthy, whereas the person with a BMI of like 15 or whatever, right, is actually unhealthy, has high blood pressure, has high cholesterol. So that's the case. I mean, even if, let's say, you know, kind of revolutionarily speaking, that that's why we do that, that's why we're attracted to those people. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good indicator of health because we know from studies that it's actually not. No, 100%. Like a Big Mac looks good. Right. But it, it's not good for you. <laughs> right. Um, for example, uh, someone who may be young mm -hmm. may have a really fast metabolism. So they may look on the surface like yes. uh, really good, but they may be having a terrible diet. Yeah, and, which means high cholesterol. And also probably... Uh, not to be, not to say anything bad about anyone, but it probably means a poor like functioning of the brain. Like I would, I would say because it, it, there's actually research that supports that if let's say high fructose corn syrup, for instance, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people drink. So I've I've done it before. I actually kind of off soda now, yeah. but that's like a long time and a lot of unwiring. So I wouldn't blame anybody who's watching if they are drinking. So I'm not trying to say anything like that. Mm -hmm. But apparently, uh, high fructose corn syrup makes you dumber. <laughs> actually believe it or not mm -hmm. um so and also like a poor diet probably is not helping sustain high brain brain functioning mm -hmm. like let's say somebody's also not having uh what's in krill oil omega-3s uh, or in eggs as well and all mm -hmm. that say you're not having stuff like that that's that's actually important for um uh your uh, neurons to communicate with each other like uh for their for the myelin to be um I mean, I'm get, we're getting all excited, <laughs> love and uh, dating right now, but uh, so science. Kind of, yeah, but yeah, the the myelin, which yeah. uh, helps the, the the transfer of the uh, messages between the neurons, uh, is, is well, it, it's it's definitely not supported by a, an unhealthy diet. Okay. If you have things that do support it, like let's say omega threes, mm -hmm. stuff like that, that for instance would help uh, functioning of the brain. Right. There, there's other things as well, but I'm not trying to get into that right now yeah yeah but yeah so i mean essentially we were talking about kind of what evolutionary psychology tells us about why we're attracted to certain people i mean one thing i've noticed uh i mean i've studied this too but i'll say this uh, one from first-hand experience mm -hmm. it seems that whoever is um the most uh certain um Tends to ha tends to have a lot of uh, how do I put this like somebody will listen more when somebody sounds very certain. Right. For instance, if somebody's very confident, mm -hmm. th there's a reason why um, somebody will uh, listen to them or be attracted to them. It's because they uh, because of their confidence, they're kind of um, <laughs> for lack of a better word, seizing the other person's attention. Right. Because uh, what they're saying conveys a quote unquote value. Mm -hmm. Value is a very uh, loaded word, right. right? Maybe I should well, define it, it. But I no, I get what you mean. That, that person becomes valuable to the other person because I'm assuming, if anything, it indicates sort of social status that this person obviously is highly knowledgeable. Hence, probably right that they obviously are of high social status. I mean, you could not be and no, still yeah. be very confident. Here's the thing, yeah. though, and you know this, right? Sort of, we are creatures of of heuristics. Right, so we sort of make these split, you know, system one type conclusions. And so, technically speaking, a lot of times, man, even though yes, you and I could sit here and posit that rationally and say, no, 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 a lot of times somebody can be very smart and of low social status. Technically speaking, that's not the assumption that a lot of people make. Where you see someone who's very smart, and you're like, wow, this person is special, or whatever it is, right? And oh, here's the other example, right? A friend of mine, right? So he used to drive a BMW, right? Had nothing else going for him. Only had, and I'm not gonna obviously mention names. So only, only drove this BMW which was literally one of the newer cars at the time 
girls loved it, man. Like the girls that he was going after, obviously not all girls, right? So the girls that he went after, like loved it. And in their minds, right, this guy was somebody, right? They're like, oh my God, look at him. Mm, not really, right? So obviously the heuristic says this person is driving a great car, right? Therefore he's, let's say, rich or successful or whatever. None of those things. So literally all he had was the car. So he spent all of his money on the car. So the point essentially is that a lot of times what people do is they take these mental shortcuts. And all of us do these, right? So it's not that all of us have the same mental shortcuts, but we all take mental shortcuts. So we tend to make inferences. Like what you're saying is, oh, there are these other interpretations. A lot of times people take the most available interpretation. So their brain says, ah, nice car, a lot of money, right? Automatically they make that split decision. They're like, this is someone. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how fast you can make a decision like that. It's fine. I mean, it happens in the moment. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, I guess if anyone's listening, like how how could they use what we're saying? Mm -hmm. Like say say that's not really the point of the discussion. We're just trying to figure out yeah. like what's going on in the dating world these days. What are people doing? What's it like now? I mean, actually, now to now that I've said that, let's get into that for a second well i mean i do want to focus on the kind of the so you know why i think the decisions that we make are important just obviously and we can go on to the other topic i think it's also as important only because we started with yeah it, yeah no, I, I hear thought, so yeah. the reason why heuristics are so important right and we talk about this literally i think on every show at this point is because a lot of times we make really poor choices in the people we choose so I, I now that i'm thinking about it i love that you brought up the attractiveness because if you think about it right so the biggest mistake that people make is the halo effect so they look at a beautiful person and they think oh my god they're wonderful so here's the thing a lot of psychopaths look like that right American Psycho obviously it's a movie I get it but it's actually a really good depiction depiction do you well. like Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> so yeah that's really film. that's Christian Bale right, in that movie so essentially so people do this where let's say even with clients of mine, right? So they come to me and they say like, hey, I met this really wonderful person. And literally the first question I ask them is, what do you know about them? And so they'll say, oh, well, like they're this, they're that, they're this. And I'm like, that doesn't really describe much about them. But all of a sudden in their mind, they're like up here on this pedestal. And what I would ask them is like, okay, I'm like, I mean, are they hot? Like, do you think that they're really attractive? And they would say, yeah, oh my God, very much so. And so then I would actually talk to them about kind of in that aspect of evolutionary psychology that says that we tend to sort of, and this one is actually one of the concepts that can actually be proven that we tend to ascribe right these different sort of be not believe well yes beliefs but then attributes to people that they don't or might not actually really have just based on physical attraction so why i think heuristics are important here is because we got to stop doing that so like just like with my friend right because i gotta tell you this guy he wasn't really that great to women. So the point was that here they made this sort of conclusion that he was somebody special when, first of all, not only even financially or, you know, in terms of success he wasn't, but even as a person he wasn't. So I'm just saying that in terms of heuristics, right, we need to sort of be conscious of the decisions we make because a lot of times they're based on mental shortcuts and those mental shortcuts shouldn't be trusted. Not all. If somebody reasons. has the mental strength mm -hmm. to make that kind of a right. decision, yeah. to really pay attention to, to the heuristics, right. Uh, kudos. But here's the thing, though. What do you risk? Think about it. Um, probably not a lot of dates. Heartbreak, right? So imagine if you actually make that split-second decision. And you're like, yes, I'm going to go after this person, the guy, girl, whomever. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. Right. And then sort of in the long run, you actually find out that, wait, they're actually a pretty shitty person. And then so you've invested all of this time. You've invested all this energy. And then what happens a lot of the times? So you're like, oh, maybe I could change this person, right? And how many times have we heard that from men and women? Like, oh, my God, I got to be with this girl. I can change her. And then what happens? They don't. They can't. And then they don't want to be there anymore. I mean, here's the thing. It takes, it takes energy yes. to want to go out to meet uh, different people to meet someone, uh, meet a girl, all that, right? Or, or from the woman's perspective, meet a guy. Yeah. 
thing is, from the guy's perspective, um, after he already finds a girl, it's almost like he's already invested. So he's going to kind of double down on his investment. And uh, like you said, like maybe it'll get something like, I can change her, or maybe she's okay, or maybe I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. Actually, I, I don't think, I'm not against benefit of the doubt. It depends. depends. How long? Right. It's nuanced. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, I, eh, it's not easy. It's, not, it's, not, it's a very no. hard uh, t- uh, subject to really talk about. I mean, uh, for instance, uh, how well, I mean, I would say this, maybe, maybe this is better. Because there's some things that I think we do automatically that we, even if we're con- like conscious of this stuff, sometimes it's very hard to do in the moment. Right. So I would say, like, what, what would be a good thing to focus on, let's say, when, when dating or, in, you know, in the matter of uh, love right. and dating? Um, I think authenticity is important. Mm-hmm. If, if what you're saying is truly how you feel or also, in, uh, conversely, what the other person's saying at least sounds like they really mean what they're saying. It's not like an act. It's not like a character. Be careful with that too, man. So they've actually done studies with this. So in terms of like criminal cases, they would actually like psychologists would go to judges, right? And they would sort of have, um, well, they would kind of conduct experiments with them, right? In terms of like mock cases. So they would like bring forth different people, right? Who weren't actual criminals. And so they would give everybody the story. Like there would be a mock jury and a mock judge. And so then they would ask, you know, the sort of jury and judge, they would say, okay, how believable are they? And the people that were actually at times the most believable with the ones who were the worst liars in terms of how many lies they told in that particular story so yeah, yeah be really careful with that because somebody sounds authentic hey christian bale an american psycho seemed like the sweetest guy doesn't mean anything man and not really okay that's true but he was like oh hey paul <laughs> this is my real voice paul <laughs> right it's okay so he was a charmer but the point is that a lot of times we kind of fall for these sort of don juans right these people that seem like they not only have their shit together they're super confident like you said and a lot of times they also pretend to be lo- like nice guys okay so yeah. how about this then let's uh let me do this then okay so people tend to accept that something is true based mm-hmm. on if i remember correctly if, if information passes through one of these unconscious filters in your mind, then you generally tend to accept what they're saying as true. Mm-hmm. One is one filter uh, that information could pass through is how certain they are of what uh, right. they're saying, which we just covered. The other one is how in alignment are they with what they're saying in, this, in the sense of how congruent is their behavior, thoughts, words, and actions in alignment with what it is that they're presenting, the information in this case. Then the third thing is how many people buy into what they're saying. So let's say uh, somebody has a social group around them, and let's say you're bringing a potential mate to meet your social group. Uh, Perhaps things that you say around them will be supported and accepted as true to that potential mate, for instance. Now, why is that important? I would say, one... From the perspective of, say, you're somebody who's trying to find someone, mm-hmm. if you knew something like that um, and you use this information for good, mm-hmm. then you could actually pay attention to how certain you are when you say certain things, how you behave goes along with what you say, mm-hmm. and probably how many people in general would agree with what you say. Right. But here's the thing. Uh, information has to pass through just one of those filters generally for someone to accept what you're saying is true. Which is so wild. Yes. Mm-hmm. So on w- on one level, that's scary because you can uh, just figure that out and be a total douchebag, I guess, and um, get what you want from knowing things like that. Yeah. From the other side of it, 
say you know about that and you're not on the defensive, but you're on the other side of this, you could just pay attention to, um, I mean, here's the, it's very tough. It actually is very tough. Um, there, there are cues though in someone's behavior when they're not being authentic, like they're trying to put something on. So interestingly enough, so they actually like did studies on sort of what, you know, like obviously about lie detector tests and like how do we detect fraud, right, in terms of other people. So what they actually found is that out of all of the different agencies that are tasked with detecting liars and frauds, the only one that is above average in detecting lies on other people is literally the Secret Service. Every, all the rest of us are fucked, we're like 50-50, even the CIA, by the way. Mm. crazy that's what makes sort of dating good times obviously so scary i believe there's books on it mm -hmm. actually like that actually detail a little micro i mean we're getting really <laughs> really off here. topic but I know. no 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 not off topic this is actually related there are actually micro behaviors that you could learn that mm -hmm. people do to kind of that indicate where it is they are in their head even things as simple as uh which direction they're looking at when thinking a thought mm -hmm. not joking if somebody's looking down into the right for instance mm -hmm. believe it and they're trying to remember something they're remembering it through um, a kinesthetic modality mm -hmm. in the in meaning uh, they're thinking about it in terms of feeling like mm -hmm. how did i feel when i remembered this okay. i feel so I feel I'm gonna talk about this more in the future because I used to remember what everything meant. Okay. I was using that as an example okay I used to be very conscious of this mm -hmm. stuff but what I, I, I want to do it again this okay is, it feels useful for the show but okay whatever. but anyway. I hear you right back on so track. right yes so yes yeah, so it's definitely hard to like meet a partner and obviously trust a partner so what did you say the three three things were so how certain you are yeah. how uh, in alignment you are with what you're saying yes and how many people buy into what it is that you're saying. <laughs> Sounds like a cult leader. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that or um, let's say you just have a, just a bunch of people around you who just happen to. Yeah. Yeah, which could be a cult. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I can imagine that they know these things, that they know that psychology. Yes. <laughs> Mass psychology. <laughs> yes yes um yeah so there there's things like that mm -hmm. uh there's also other uh things that are very important like uh for instance uh, recognizing um uh, okay so one thing that's interesting is if somebody is very uh reactive mm -hmm. it kind of demonstrates um that they're in their head right. in the sense that they're, they're they may be thinking too much they may be insecure Things like that. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, somebody who's not doing so well with the opposite sex mm -hmm. may actually exhibit some characteristics that uh, come off as reactive. Uh, little twitches, uh, a lot of uh, uh, just not being able to like convey a message. <laughs> right. And they're kind of uh, conveying their uh, fluttering, stuttering right. uh, mental thoughts to you. Mm -hmm. And it's, for example, that's not very attractive mm -hmm. uh, for the opposite sex. Um, for instance, if somebody's speaking, let's say, again, back to authenticity, mm -hmm. if somebody's speaking authentically, usually what they say comes out kind of like a, in a very, for lack of a better way of putting this, in a flowy manner. Mm -hmm. It just comes well, out clear, usually. That's one interpretation. Fair enough. Yeah, because if somebody has an anxiety disorder, I mean, or if somebody has a stutter, I mean, it's very hard to, and they could be genuine people. And a lot of people with stutters really are genuine people, as we talked about. I'll be honest time. with you, there was a time when I was very anxious. Uh -huh. Coincidentally, I was not doing very well with uh, <laughs> the opposite I'm, I'm not surprised because of the interpretation that whoever was that was having it, right? But the point was that it wasn't that you were being disingenuous. 
fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's not the same, but what it's, but again, the heuristics, right? Yes, it's, yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you, you give off a signal on the surface, like you're not a good mate because of that. Right. So they will instantly kind of judge you based on that. It's not a nice thing. No. It just happens to be what it is currently. No. Perhaps through discussion of this, it's possible that people will think a little bit differently about it, no. but I'm not necessarily aiming for that. No. Um, it's just, it's just an interesting thing to talk about. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody could kind of uh, gain something from this. I think the certainty thing is interesting mm-hmm. as you, far as that goes. And you know what's so interesting? I just thought of this. So I'm thinking, right? So now that we have people's, let's say, Facebooks and Instagram, and I wonder, right? So let's say somebody, react, like initially, sometimes we do this, we fuck shit up. And I wonder if sometimes initially somebody makes a bad impression, right? But then let's say somehow this other person ends up coming across your Facebook or your Instagram and they're like, huh, you know what? This person's actually kind of cool. Maybe I actually would give them a chance and then something would happen and they're like hey you know whatever like i'm you know i was wrong or you know like let's say not necessarily i was wrong but maybe they would decide to message them and say hey you know it was nice meeting you at the party i'm kind of sorry for brushing you off whatever but i'm wondering if actually social media could also be used for good why why are you smiling no no it just said you know you know when somebody sometimes tells you like uh like uh, something like that an example right but then it sounds like it feels like they're drawing from something personal <laughs> <laughs> so i was like huh interesting. am you i know? huh <laughs> I mean it's I, fine we should I mean technically no I will so I don't you I'll be honest with you I don't know if there was a time that social media actually hurt me but I do think in some ways it could have been helpful because like a lot of the stuff that I have is like you know kind of political and a lot of people here are obviously liberals um, a lot of the stuff I post is like pictures of my friends and like I don't know doing stuff with people so technically speaking obviously depending on what's depending heavily on what your social media is consisted of I think a lot of times it actually can help you especially if the first impression isn't great actually uh, one thing I thought with uh, with the the change in the dynamic when social media as a as a way of presenting yourself it was more and more of a thing. Right. I understand we're going back years now at this point, but it's actually not that long ago if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. But the the weird thing to me is um, initially actually that shift in the dynamic um, actually messed with me a bit because I was like, whoa, why why is this important? Like. Um, do I really have to be posting over here? Like, mm-hmm. how much time should I be using for this? Uh, also, like, I mean, it's fun. Like, for example, I like Facebook. I like uh, the news feed. I like when you like certain pages, you get certain articles, stuff like that. I like Facebook for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like to post my uh, life, too. But it's not like you always want everyone to know exactly what's going on in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, not because you don't... It's not like you have anything against people knowing it. Uh, you could. There's nothing wrong with that either. You could value your privacy. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a very strange thing because the moment it became apparent that you almost, not have to, but it's kind of like the socialized thing now. Um, initially, like, I wasn't prepared for it. I knew some people that by the, like, just arbitrary luck, they were able to, like, make it work. And then that's how you kind of get cases of, oh, this is how well social media works. Mm-hmm. People just kind of figured out either by trial and error mm-hmm. or just luck, right. you know? And I feel like a lot of people got kind of messed with mentally, um, at least with the momentum of it, maybe in the beginning. Even now, I, I bet there's people who struggle with mm-hmm. um, having like a good social media or caring about social media. There's probably people who don't have social media mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And then that's interesting also, like let's say you're... Tr- meeting somebody and they're like what's your instagram you say i don't i don't have an instagram and they may instantly think like well that's kind of weird 
Huh. It's interesting. She doesn't that, have an Instagram. And that's something mm-hmm. our friend Liz actually said to us earlier, where she said if she wouldn't give somebody her Facebook or said that she didn't have one, all of a sudden she was deemed a suspect. Like, whoa, what do you have to hide? And oh. that's the heuristic, right? Oh, they're not on social media. Something's wrong with them. Well, yeah. And plus, it, it is helpful to know that the person that you're meeting has friends. It makes them seem right. more safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, uh, there's, at least from the girl's perspective, there's a lot of creepy guys. Lot, and it's and what does creepy mean? Like someone who's not well calibrated, mm-hmm. uh, at least from the girl's perspective. Even if a guy's like uh, quote unquote a nice person, mm-hmm. if they are acting in like an anxious, twitchy, whatever kind of a way, mm-hmm. um, and they're not able to communicate clearly what it is that they're trying to communicate, mm-hmm. um, they will come off as uh, creepy and uncalibrated to um, the girl. Mm-hmm. And I can't bl- I can't blame them for thinking that they're creepy because then there's a bunch of other people who it's not even just the nice guy who's doing it. It's also the, just the uncalibrated. Uh, weird uh, what's weird well, yeah. uh, uncalibrated socially kind of awkward no no, no. there might be a, a person mm-hmm. who's like uh, like really wants to use them mm-hmm. but also socially awkward right. and those people like could uh, you know potentially uh, they represent like potential harm mm-hmm. to uh, females also guys who get rejected a lot of times they uh, I've I've seen it before. They get like uh, yeah. violent, really resistant. Their ego flares up. They're like, "How could you, uh, me, yeah. the the big one?" Whatever. <laughs> well, uh, never mind. But the big me. Kahuna, yeah. How dare you? Yeah. No, they do do things like that. How dare you, little peon, reject me? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, something like right. that. And it's it's weird for the girl because uh, it would be so much easier if just like it was it was like this. Right. Oh, uh, let's go out. No. Nah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're right. And actually, believe it or not, uh, a f- like maybe six times out of ten, this is a made-up statistic, by the way, <laughs> but set, like really sometimes they would be like kind of like, oh, whoa, it was very, um, that was just like a nonchalant, okay, mm-hmm. like he doesn't care. And actually kind of then they might bring the traction back up. Because yeah. like sometimes uh, even if um, – even if you're pretty good, like in terms of how you convey yourself, you could you could make a mistake, but then you kind of pull back a little and then say something again, and you could kind of it's like a thermometer attraction could go like this, yes, and then sometimes back up. And, and here's also the thing: so a lot of times people are rejected because of ambivalence, right? So maybe the girl, the guy, whomever is thinking like, mm, I'm not so sure about this person. Like I like these things about them, but I don't like that about them. So I'm not really sure where I fall on the attraction, what where they fall to me on the attraction scale. So interestingly enough if you can handle rejection like a fucking mature adult sometimes that kind of tips the scale to you and so one of two things will happen the person says oh shit i fucked up and they just kind of you know move along and forget about it because i mean they're like i don't want to really go back and say no no no. by the way i want to date you now but at the other end sometimes people will do that and they say you know what like i thought about it and i really just made a mistake and i mean if you're still interested i would love to go out with you so I mean, that's that, awesome. Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. That's like the dream. That scenario. sounds like a fantasy, right? That's like the dream scenario. It's like, no, I'm good. <gasps> Sometimes, wait a minute. Uh huh. Um, but no, but I think rejection is an important conversation, though. One hundred percent. I think you should be willing to. Yeah. Wow. So, for example, uh, say you're someone who has kind of. There's. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Okay. Boom. Let's do. Yeah, this. I just got an idea. So, <laughs> there's two kinds of strategies I would say in terms of uh, meeting the opposite sex. Let's say from a guy's perspective, mm-hmm. um, there's a react reactive strategy and a proactive strategy. Right. Reactive strategy is kind of like you go about your life. Maybe some girl will notice you. I should be like, hey, you. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> I'd like to take you out, right? 
How often does that happen? <laughs> Probably 1%. Maybe 10%. I would say 1% of 1%. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it doesn't... Ha- it could happen. It's it could. happened. I've had it happen, yeah. but... I could count it on one hand, and yes, it's I less than two. five. I see. And I think it's two. two. Okay. I'm, my fingers well, knew there, it was two there was recently. There was recently one. Yeah, but I won't fully get into that. No, it's, that was, right. it's yeah. a private thing. Yeah. But I'll say this. Uh, that's a reactive strategy. You kind of wait for something to happen. And it's not very good because that's there's so many factors that play into that. Uh, I mean, even if you met all society standards, mm-hmm. right, let's say, oh, sorry, uh, on the superficial level, uh, rich, good-looking, um, a bunch of social relationships, mm-hmm. um, forget some of the other standards, but along those lines, etc. right? If you meet those, even if you still went with the reactive strategy, if you're not kind of presenting yourself to someone, mm-hmm. it is very rough to still get any kind of result. Right. You may still get it oddly here and there, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, um, why did I bring that up in terms of rejection? It's because of this other strategy, which is a proactive strategy. Proactive strategy would be actually getting up. You don't have to necessarily get up, but you have hi. to take action. <laughs> you say, hi. Hi, I'm Leon. <laughs> Something like that. You, say, you, you, you approach. Right. You actually take action, mm-hmm. right? And that's, for example, that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But once you actually begin the momentum of taking action, mm-hmm. it actually becomes something you can be very comfortable with. Right. Anything, uh, we discussed this in an earlier episode, anything that you do for the first time is not gonna be comfortable. Right. You may experience resistance, not so great feelings. But actually, instead of uh, experiencing that as something that's pulling you back and like something you shouldn't be doing and mm-hmm. your understanding of the world is kind of going backwards, mm-hmm. it's actually really good for you because what you're doing is kind of breaking down this rigid uh, personality structure that you had of yourself where you couldn't approach before, this is not something natural that you do, and you're kind of letting yourself kind of uh, expand in terms of your identity. Right. Uh, this is something though that would expand not from just doing this once, it would be from doing it right, right, several times. Several yeah. times. It's a process. It's definitely right. a process. Now, and also um, I would recommend if, you, if somebody is gonna do their proactive strategy, um, it is really about momentum and I would say to go out as often as possible if you're in uh, trying to look for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, At least put yourself out there. Put yourself yeah. out there. Like for instance, say you go out to a social... It's also helpful to have uh, friends with you. Right. You don't have to, but say you do, that's good because it shows, again, it's social proof that you're safe. Right. Somebody likes you enough to be around you. Right. So it already gives... Um, it gives you something in terms of uh, the potential mate's mm-hmm. eyes. Let's say also, since you have your friends with the, uh, there, let's say you could uh, bring them to hang out with you and your friends. You kind of show them what your world is like. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of investment from them because you're kind of creating, uh, uh, you're kind of doing the work. Mm-hmm. So you're showing them what it's like to be around you, mm-hmm. um, which is good because like, for instance, uh, from to, to get to ask someone you don't know to highly invest mm-hmm. is not easy. For mm-hmm. instance, even if somebody's walking outside that you want to stop, um, to stop them is actually a big investment. In my, I, I've noticed actually, if you actually try to like stop someone outside, they a lot of times will not stop. If they do, that's cool. It happens sometimes, but 
a lot of times you have to kind of walk with them. Mm-hmm. When you're walking with them and then you're saying whatever it is that you're saying, maybe hello, right. or I noticed this, about, or I like your, this thing you're wearing, right. or something like that. Right. Um, it, there's no investment from them. You're just talking. Mm-hmm. Now, there will be a point. Um, <laughs> how do, wow. I'm sorry. In general, let's. I, I'm not trying to get full on <laughs> tactics or anything. Main idea though is to have a proactive strategy. Right. Keep trying. If you, if uh, I'm sure there's resources out there that if you wanted to uh, check out, you know, about dating or something like that, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least from what I'm gonna say, from my ability to speak on it, I would just say, yeah, definitely taking action is very important. Mm-hmm. And embracing rejection. Yep. Um, and actually, what's cool is, and this is related to Albert Ellis, mm. which is, once you get rejected enough, yeah. you may you may notice uh, that you stop caring. It's, it's weird. As it's like, much, as much. As much. Right, so there's never going to come a point where you will like never care about rejection, because it's just not how we're built. Because the thing is, we are social creatures, and we need each other to survive. So technically speaking, the sort of fear of social in- rejection is ingrained in us. That isn't something that we can just turn off. But the point is that when you expose yourself over multiple, multiple times, and look, I can't even tell you this from my personal life, man, because like, why not? So I've been rejected God knows how many times. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I haven't. I, don't, I can't say I've tried that many times, but I've, I've, I've had my fair share of rejection. And I got to tell you, man, so on top of like the stuff that we talk about, the sort of stoic mindset and the CBT stuff where I'm like, oh, I'm not a loser, reject, you know, this is just this thing that happened to me. On top of the fact that I've been exposed to it so many times, I got to tell you, man, it doesn't bother me like it used to. Like, I can't tell you that it doesn't bother me at all or like... There's definitely some hurt there. I can't say there isn't, but it's nowhere. So like, here's where I started off. So when I was like, and I'm, you know, kind of, we talked about this before, like, you know, I struggled with anxiety when I was a kid and I wrote about this, whatever. So point is when I was a kid, like my fear of rejection was literally at like a 95% where I was like, oh my God. And I saw rejection where there wasn't any. And then now I would say if it's there, it would probably be at like a 40, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I think a huge drop off. That's and that, huge. And that's a lit- huge improvement. Yeah. And I think that that's literally because of therapy, my own therapy, seeing two therapists on my own and literally the CBT skills that I learned in school. So unfortunately the therapists that I saw weren't CBT, but I didn't even really need CBT from therapists just for the simple fact that these are techniques I learned in school. Were you seeing them? At, I mean, not to get away from what you're saying, but did you see them both at the same time? No, no, no. So um, technically my first therapist left because um, she actually went to work for the VA, which was like super fucking cool. And like for me as a student... What's the VA? Veterans Administration. Okay. So at that time I was like, wow! Like literally, she because she was like a specialist in trauma so she went to work with veterans. And then so it literally took me about... Oh, speaking... Wow, speaking of rejection. So because I... At, even though I told myself, I was like, you know what? I don't care I understand that she had to leave. It literally took me another probably year to see another therapist because I was kind of hurt by her leaving. So that's how afraid of rejection I was. Even though she didn't reject me, this was nothing personal. And if I were in her shoes, I would have done the same thing. I was still pretty hurt by it. So when I went to see my new therapist, she was like, oh, so like, do you want supervision or therapy? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I don't need therapy. Because I was like, I don't want to go through that again. But then after some time, she became my therapist rather than my supervisor. And kind of, you know, sort of little by little, I got over my fear of rejection. But the point is, essentially for us that yes your point about Albert Ellis and just about kind of behaviorism in general is right so actually the more you try and I would honestly and like if you guys hear this I promise you well you are gonna hear it but you're gonna flip so I would say get rejected more literally
literally if I could so my reframe right every single time I would get rejected it's like have you ever watched like um probably not I know Mike is into ECW right so there was this really great scene where um it's a wrestling old wrestling company Extreme mm -hmm. Championship Wrestling so there was this really great scene where Tommy Dreamer right who was like at the time a baby face and everybody hated him so like everybody hated him they like thought he was like this stuck up prick right so he had this match with the Sandman right and the Sandman ended up just beating the shit out of him with a kendo stick and this is real because ECW just did shit that literally pushed it to the limit so and Tommy kept getting up and he's like thank you sir may I have another and he took 50 lashes <laughs> yeah he like breakfast club right and he like literally and oh that was the thing with Tommy like they called him breakfast like something like breakfast club Tommy or whatever it was maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong because the thing is he wore like the varsity jacket and like he was like this goody two shoes like leave it to beaver type so when he did that and he took 50 lashes in real life and so the way I think of rejection is like you need to do that man like and for him right he actually became the innovator of violence after which I know sounds obviously kind of silly because it's a wrestling show but I think there is a point here and the point essentially was that without that without that beating he couldn't have known what he was capable of so I don't know if he knew before or not but it seemed like probably not because he actually never did that anything like that before but after he literally would go in there and he was like the fucking king he would take beatings like he didn't before and he would give them like he didn't before so the point is that he learned something about himself and he grew through that lashing so in terms of the suffering itself yes sounds kind of masochistic obviously but rejection honestly is something that all of us can handle so i would argue that honestly guys like if you can't literally go get rejected more and that's something albert ellis would vouch for he would say look go to the subway and literally just point up to the sky and just start yelling and when i tell people that they're like what like i can't do that that's not possible and i'm like no it is you don't understand because the lesson that you're going to learn from that is more important than anything i could ever tell you in this room the lesson that your mind learns right is more important than any book that you read and it's more important than anything you learn from in therapy because what you're going to get from that lesson is that any of that rejection or that judgment or that criticism that you get none of it really matters one thing that's beautiful is uh, a lot of the reason why or rather, first of all, that's beautiful. The the wrestler example, yeah. it sounded so cool. Kind of right, like me. right. I love Tommy Man. So one thing I definitely wanted to say is, and maybe this is helpful to to frame it this way too, mm -hmm. is I don't think anyone can cultivate a hundred percent core confidence, like right. really, like just full on confidence. Psychopaths have feet. it. That's it. And I wouldn't suggest. But I I'm wouldn't talking about cultivating. It. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's true. Yeah. So I don't think you could, but what you could cultivate is indifference mm -hmm. by getting enough reference experiences of that re of those rejections and then seeing nothing happens from it and in fact or or if you do feel anything from it it's kind of like a gr it's a thing that helps you grow it kind of expands your character yeah. it's really good for you actually um, you, you again like the wrestler you, you kind of get knocked down but then you come back stronger and you behave in a way you never did before it's actually really cool right right yeah and he learned what he was capable of I mean the thing is so I don't know how real obviously the kind of it was in terms of the storyline because the thing is before then Tommy actually was never in any like big like hardcore matches and then after that like this dude was taking a beating in week in and week out so if I had to hope right my hope would be like you know what that moment told Tommy Dreamer I'm fucking extreme like I can do this and literally after that, he was the innovator of violence. So Albert Ellis uh, yelling, right? For yeah. instance, one thing that's very interesting to me, it, it, it reminds me of something uh, like called unstifling. Hmm. So for instance, uh, you for, okay, so you know how I was talking about being reactive before versus proactive? Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes like uh, it's not so easy to get out of that uh, headspace where you're in your head. So how, how can you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, yeah, Albert Ellis's yelling like that out loud in public in a socially deviant way kind of 
goes past what like level of volume you might allow yourself to go to in that particular environment. Right. So what's interesting is if you tried to do something similar to that, not even saying don't do that, if you actually tried to do something similar to that, you would realize nothing happens. You would cultivate that indifference almost instantly. And also you kind of feel a little bit freer to kind of move around and stuff like that. For instance, there's this thing I, I showed our friend uh, Liz at a barbecue not so long ago. It's something that I, I learned from a, a friend of mine, uh, kind of like a mentor. Uh, and it was this thing where I'll even do it right now, actually. You go like this, you go like, yes, 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 yes. Like, you know, like that, all that, right? Now, Leon is shocked. He's like, what the fuck? There's a lot of energy here. I'm trying to sit and chill and have a conversation. But also, like, from my perspective, like, if I had to explain how I feel right now, uh, very amped up. Uh, All of a sudden, you see, like, how my arms are moving around. I only just noticed that after the fact. But that is actually kind of, like, more of a freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel a little more loose. And I feel like I could do something crazy right now. I don't know what that thing would be. But say, for instance, it's in relation to the opposite sex, I suppose if you if you did something like that, I wouldn't recommend it to do that every time. You might look actually a little, like sometimes it is okay to be a social chameleon, but when you're starting off and let's say you're really not used to this kind of stuff, doing things like that actually is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere down the line, once you have a certain kind of social like level of acuity, mm-hmm. you may decide not to do that. There may be no point. You may be like, no, no, no. Uh, like, 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 there's a, there's a saying: the loudest person in the room, uh, sometimes the weakest person in the room, in only from the frame of trying to be the loudest right. to get attention right. and, and to like to. It depends. Context, depends. Yeah, context. yeah. It's a very yeah. Very much depends. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nuanced. Um, it is a very nuanced thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, if somebody's a performer and right. they're performing and they're the loudest one in the room, obviously they're not. The weakest one in the room. No. It's a different kind of frame there. Mm-hmm. But if somebody's always trying to do yes, 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 and then go approach someone or something like that, it it's an interesting thing to do after a while. Right. Because the beginning, it's okay. Because I think the point is not to get attention, right? The point of doing the yes thing is to amp yourself up. Even if it gets attention, right? Say you're doing it outside, mm-hmm. you could prove to yourself that it doesn't do anything. People will look just for a little bit, yeah. but then you'll notice that they go back to either thinking about their own concerns right. or and something that, along. And that's lines. exactly what behaviorism and Ellis was teaching. Essentially, that even if you go on a train, and I remember I did this with a kid before, where so she was afraid of going on airplanes, and I was like, "Oh, you know, what we could do. Let's have you hold up the line." She's like, "What? Are you crazy?" I'm like, "No, no, no." I'm like, "I'm telling you, this is like really good." I'm like, "Like literally, purposely, like just go and tie your shoes, see what happens." She of course never did it because she was afraid, which is absolutely okay. And I mean, I'm okay with not obviously, I and mean, I should be okay with not pushing, you know, kind of these sort of uh, experiments on people. But the point is. That that if she did do it, it would have actually helped her a lot because her fear was of, let's say, holding up the line and like literally being ridiculed in public, which would like never happen because she was like 12. I was like, that's, nobody's going to do that to you. And now that's why I felt safe telling her like, yeah, you should hold up the line because I was like, dude, you're a kid. Nobody's going to do that to you. And she, whatever. But the point is essentially that when you kind of do that, when you get into that mindset of like, oh, okay, you know what? I actually, people really don't care so much. Then obviously it's not the point for you to keep doing these absurd tasks over and over again, but the point is for you to be able to actually live your life. To be able to go out and live your life and to do the things that you should normally be able to do. And kind of what's called, you know, a healthy mindset or a healthy life. Absolutely. And in terms of um, love, right? Because actually it just came to me to like speak on it a little bit. Um, A lot of people, uh, what they consider love, 
um, is kind of like this sort of um, like kind of like codependence. Mm-hmm. Like uh, maybe you could help me out here. Um, I would love to give a definition right now on codependence mm-hmm. or love from that frame, but like may- maybe you're more qualified. Yeah. Okay. Well, not maybe, 100%. Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of codependence. <laughs> I know, what a weird thing to say. Maybe, yes. perhaps. I mean, a little bit. Some say. <laughs> it's okay. So essentially, codependence is the feeling that, or I don't know if it's necessarily, would you call it as a feeling? Well, it's the state. I think that's a better way to describe it. So it's a state of believing that you absolutely need this other person to live and to survive. And I don't mean like live as and sort of um I don't mean live in terms of like uh let's say like like literally like live like I need to live I mean like figuratively where you think you would have like an emotional breakdown and it would be a devastation to you if that person ever left you so emotional and I would say if I had to contrast that with real love and this I hesitate to define right because I'm technically not a philosopher or a scholar of love but I haven't I have like a one particular working definition I don't okay. know it, it's well, like, let me just define codependence. Yes. Okay, so codependence is essentially the state that you believe, in, or in which you believe that you can't live with the, without the other person. So it's this idea that essentially there's me and there's this other person, and we're enmeshed. Like, I am them, and they are me, and it's like, I can't sort of breathe without this person. Again, obviously, figuratively speaking. But the point is that the other person, right, sort of lives and dies with that person. And they're so context-dependent that they sort of live and die with every sort of rejection, or every sort of ghost and attacks, right? Every sort of, you know, I love you, every sort of here I got your gift but like with every single thing that happens right their self-esteem sort of is a seesaw effect where they absolutely need this person in order to live what I mean by that is that they need them to feel good about themselves and it's like a conditional kind of love yeah as opposed to yes and that's that was the definition that I had with actual love so interestingly enough someone said to me and I'm thinking of one particular person but technically a lot of people say this where they say it's okay to be selfish in love I actually don't agree with that. So if it's actual real love, and my, again, my conception and understanding of what love is. So you know that statement of if you love someone, set them free. I really think that that's what love is. So if you actually love someone, it's not that you want to possess them, right? Which is what I, 70, 80% of people want to do probably, where they want to possess the person literally codependent and where they're like, I need you for everything. I need you for validation. I need you for reassurance. I need you, you know, for moral, emotional support, etc. right? And oh, by the way, just to kind of- And to support a, a, like a socially structured family, like a family structure. Right. And, also. and by the way, and I want to sort of be clear on this because I know even though we're talking in kind of generalizations here, so this happens a lot more for men, by the way, than for women, where sort of women are the givers and men are the takers, where men are like, yeah, 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 I'm codependent on this girl because she deserves, or I deserve it, or I deserve for her to provide all of these necessities for me. So it's more so with men that this happens than with women. But kind of going back to the point was that essentially what happens in a codependent relationship is, you know, you know how like let's say you and I are friends, right? And like we want each other to be happy. We're like, yeah, I don't care if you're like on the other side of the world, right? As long as you're happy, I'm happy, mm-hmm. right? But it's friendship. I mean, that's that's any good friendship. So interestingly enough, love, or at least the way love manifests, like in modern times, right? In a codependent. Yeah, and codependency is not like that. So codependency is like, how could you leave me, right? How could you have abandoned me? I needed you. Why are you going on vacation? Yeah. Alone? Well, oh yeah, or why are you going with your friends? How are you with a girl? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? So the point is that it's so like intertwined 
intertwined and people have become yeah. so enmeshed where it's not so much about their happiness and it's not so much about let me sort of feel good about this person's accomplishments or what this person is up to because they're having a good time but it's like why why am I sort of bereft of all of those things so and also interestingly enough in a codependent relationship there's also a lot of jealousy and I don't even mean only in terms of yeah and I don't mean only in terms of like oh this person might leave me or they're talking or seeing someone else talking to or seeing someone else but there's also jealousy in terms of the other person's accomplishments too so it's like oh my god this person has achieved this this person's here this per I mean or let's say I'm here this person's here what does that mean are they gonna leave me are they gonna be too good for me now am I not good enough and sort of all of these questions go to the other person's mind where it literally becomes a toxic love and so why codependency is essentially it's not really it's not a diagnosis or a diagnosable term but the point is it is a clinical term because that's what happens to people who are in codependent relationships where not only do they obviously like they feel like they can't live or breathe without the other person but then on top of that they're actually not even happy with the other person a lot of the time because they're always in their minds they're always thinking what are they up to what are they doing oh my god they've achieved this thing does this mean they're gonna leave me why am I not good enough does this person think I'm not good enough and then they'll start badgering them and harassing them with questions and thoughts and ideas and why and they put things together right it's like um have you ever seen that meme with like i forgot what show it was from with that guy and he has like all the he connects all the dots right and it's like Argh! that's what people in codependent relationships are like so they connect all of these dots and they form all of these different conspiracies in their minds and the other person is like what the fuck and they believe in the conspiracies. yeah and they believe it. and the thing why and reason why they believe it is so remember last week we talked about your core beliefs coloring your interpretations that's it I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. Therefore, of course, they're cheating on me. How could it have been otherwise? It's literally codependent relationships, things like jealousy, all that, which actually kind of cultivated my own, um, why I despise the ego. Yeah. Like, it was literally, I had a relationship back in the day, not to get too deep into it, but long story short, I was the person who was actually jealous in that relationship. However, I did actually genuinely love the person as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. uh, thing is, I, there was a point where it sh my behavior shifted and I no longer behaved that way. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't uh, being authentically expressed at all. I believed in all these stories in my head, all these conspiracies, as you said. And because of that, I literally caused, you could argue, the end of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And also anything that I may have said that may have gotten any kind of reaction, let's say, from her. Mm -hmm. If I'm the progenitor of of the misconception, you can argue still it's my fault because it just it it just made the conversation go that way right. that path. Because people whatever. don't like to be accused of things they're not guilty of. It, it, it's strange. It's like um, it's like an equation. You know, I added like a weird variable to the equation, mm -hmm. and then that ruined the entire result of the equation. Yeah, and I've done that too, man. And the thing is, I think, but like, when do we do these? Like, when do we do these things as teenagers? I did it early twenties. Okay, <laughs> I'm guilty of that too. But it, like, it sucks, 20s. man, because it's like I think there were pretty a decent amount of good relationships that I ruined because. I and mean, you know what else I sometimes did? I was such a dick to girls, like literally. Well, I mean, that's uh, kind of a dick. So just. Because I would feel like inferior or insecure, where I would say something like as this sort of passive aggressive joke, and they'd be like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "What? You're like mad sensitive, even though I'm the asshole." But yeah, I think we've done that. I think we've done our share of pushing. Were you nagging? 
What's negative? I'm just kidding. That's where you say like a negative remark about the girl to kind of spark attraction because it shows you're kind of like a not. It's like you're you're not like doing the same thing every other guy does. Right. Where you're oh, like, oh, you're so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I was not doing that. I was literally doing that to be defensive. If I had to sort of give myself some sort of psychological inter psychoanalytic interpretation, I would say the reason for doing this was because I felt down here, and to me they were like up here, so I had to do something to kind of crash them down too, right? And thankfully, I don't do this anymore. But so there's there's a quote by. Um, that's an interesting person to pick for this quote. Mm. Um, Osho. Mm. You ever heard of that guy? Of course. Okay, so... What was, his, what was his name? Bakubad? No. I don't even remember. Yeah, but I, I know, obviously. Yes. So there's actually a, a Netflix documentary yes. that came Bakwan. out. Bakwan. That was his name. Yeah, the Bhagwan. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I'll say this. Uh, I heard this, and I, I listened to him a bunch before I knew about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to throw him out. Like, I won't say that, I won't disregard things that he said, mm -hmm. but um, I am aware of that documentary. So, like, fair enough if somebody's like, that's a strange person to cite right Here's now. Here's the thing, though. You know why I disagree with that? Because, a because lot what? It was his cult people who no, were no, no, creating no, no, no. problems? No, so, I'm, I mean, I disagree with what the person would say. Like, it's a strange person to cite. Technically speaking, you can actually, and people might kill me here, but you can actually get wisdom from Scientology. And here's why, because a lot of it is actually ripped off. So just because he says something smart, first of all, it doesn't mean that it's coming from him. So a lot of times these gurus or like these fake kind of prophets or whatever cult leaders, they actually have good wisdom because they get it from other literature. Like L. Ron Hubbard from Scientology, he read like millions of books. This Yes, yeah. Scientology, for instance, is very self-helpy, actually, yes. a lot of it, which is very Yeah, and that's how they sort of suck people in. So when you obviously go down the rabbit hole, you find that it's like really batshit crazy stuff. Yeah. But in the beginning, the stuff that they teach you makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, the thing that uh, Osher said is um, if you find a flower, right, and you pick it up, it dies. You try to make it yours, it dies. If you let it be where it is, you give it freedom. Uh, true love gives freedom, for instance, something else that he said, right. then, yeah, then then you're allowing the flower to live, for yeah. instance. And, like, I thought, I met, like, <laughs> meditate. I thought on that, I thought about that for a while. I want to say the word meditate, but you again, did. I'll you reflected. Oh, that's fine. But anyway, yeah, I reflected on mm -hmm. it. I meditated on it. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 yeah, having fun. But, uh, whatchamacallit, yeah, I, I thought about it a lot, and then. It, after a while of really thinking about that and like considering that I really like for instance that relationship that I'm talking about that I talked about before yeah. I did realize I really cared about the person so the moment I really thought about like quotes like that for instance I did I did kind of let go of the need to possess her and know everything about what's going on and try to get back with her and all this right. kind of stuff and at that point actually it was nice because then anytime we spoke afterwards, it was completely cool. It, it, it kind of healed the relationship. Yeah. We didn't get back together. That's completely fine. That was not... Um, initially it was, but it didn't. that wasn't the point later. Um, the main point was it, was it was somebody I got along with. Yeah. And it was somebody who was like important to me. And to like knock somebody... like To take someone away from your life who was very important to you just because they don't want to be in a like a relationship with you if you really broke it down it's really strange because it doesn't change any of the good things they ever did mm -hmm. any things that you might have learned with them yeah. any of the good experiences that you had 
It's just that uh, maybe briefly you, you had a disagreement. It's kind of this short-term kind of a right. thing that could have long-term repercussions. Mm -hmm. But if you're cognizant of that, maybe it doesn't always have to turn into some kind of toxic end or some kind of bad end where you can't talk to the person again. Yeah. I think there is a way where if you did not end up having like a... It, you couldn't end up having the relationship with the person for some reason things kind of you both just kind of went two different ways or something um, I think there is a, like a peaceful resolution to it where you could still um, you know still have a deep respect for the person but then also understand like we're we don't mix yeah. now or something like that mm -hmm. um, yeah it's hard man it's just yeah. that's the thing but it's an important distinction because like especially if you really care about like if you really like say somebody is listening to this and they're in a relationship and then they notice they might have these things like jealousy this that and whatnot and mm -hmm. it's a very common thing mm -hmm. if you really broke it down you really thought about it and you said okay but do i truly love this person mm -hmm. you may be able to psych yourself out of those those uh, behaviors, even though they feel deeply ingrained and you do believe in the conspiracies and the storytelling and all that. Yeah. Um, again, why did I say earlier I despise the ego? The moment I learned about ego and all that, a lot of the conspiracies, stories, ideas, all that, all these things that would lead me to go to all these different conclusions, yeah. I completely, the moment they came up, um, even if they felt like they had a certain momentum to them and I really believed in it for, even for five seconds, ten seconds, mm -hmm. after those five, ten seconds, even a minute, whatever it took, mm -hmm. I would be able to not believe in the story and disregard it as bullshit. Like mm -hmm. as a, just a, like a, spawned of, just out of insecurity or something like that, but not the real truth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I guess if somebody's listening to it, they have all these jealous thoughts. I mean, by the way, this is not to say that what if you're right about your jealous thoughts? Yeah, That's so a sometimes, no, interestingly, yeah, so sometimes the ego can be protective because sometimes you are right about your jealous thoughts. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess yeah. what you're saying is for you it was overblown. Like you didn't have enough evidence for the sort of theories that you had. Yeah, for me, so again, mm -hmm. it's a nuanced yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the case that I'm talking about, I would completely disregard all jealous thoughts, all, all stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, by being able to begin to disregard them, I think that kills the momentum mm -hmm. of that kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? Because the, say, say somebody actually is uh, experiencing feelings of jealousy, stuff like that. Yeah. And say their goal is like, I want to stop this before this actually turns into something toxic. Yeah. What would you... So interestingly enough, it's actually a disorder. I mean, I know people say like everything is pathologized these days, but the point is that this actually can be a disorder. So there's something called delusional disorder, and there's actually a jealous type of it. And the jealous type of it is actually so hard that it's so, or it's so difficult to treat that it's actually resistant to like any sort of cognitive reframing. So wow. to, yeah, so to answer your question, what I would do is I would go straight to the thought record. So if there's a jealous particular belief, right? I would sort of ask them, okay, so like, let's say these are the actions, right? What does this mean to you? So evidence for, evidence against, right? What do you think your friend would tell you at this time? And then I would also ask them, okay, so let's say if we reframe the thought, right? So if the thought was reframed from she is cheating on me, you know, the negative automatic thought to, okay, there's really no evidence of it. Or let's say she was likely out with her friends because of evidence against or let, indicated that she was essentially out with her friends. Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, so when you go through people or when you go through this with people with delusional disorder, a lot of times it does nothing, man. And I can't explain this, obviously, you know, because I've never had 
madness disorder and or in, like in that particular sort of form well i mean it is that disorder right because technically i mean you could be jealous which i obviously have been but not to that extent so i i don't understand like how it sort of works but the thing is in their minds they actually in some way convince themselves that their therapist even right is feeding them bullshit in order to calm them down that's how sort of deeper the beliefs are yeah. but if let's say if it's somebody who doesn't maybe even if they do but after some time you know kind of we've been working on it and the evidence is built up against that belief so even with that particular person if let's say let's say they kind of accept it right to some extent okay it's likely that she's not cheating on me and that it's sort of my own thinking right that's causing me to feel this way then i would ask them okay so what do you think right if let's say we have this negative automatic thought of i'm she's cheating on me right what does this actually say about you if it doesn't say anything about her and then you sort of go down that rabbit hole of okay i mean what does this mean and the meaning a lot of times is that i'm unlovable or i'm unworthy or i'm not good enough so from that accusation you actually learn a lot about the person and the person learns a lot about themselves they allow themselves to so to kind of answer your question right after doing a lot of these thought records and sometimes it's like infinity because it feels like it goes on forever if they finally accept that like holy shit look at all of this evidence against her cheating on me then we switch it to okay so what does this say about you and then they kind of learn that you know what i really feel like shit about myself which is why i accuse her of all of these things and then what's the action afterwards? No, to really figure out why you feel like shit about yourself. And I promise you, nine times out of ten, those people don't have anything bad to feel about. Or don't have any good reason to feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like, with regular therapy, the idea is essentially, why do you feel like shit about yourself, right? What do you feel like you don't have? What are you missing, right? Is there a way to kind of reframe your values that actually makes more sense with what the what you want to be? Or what do you actually think you should be? Not maybe what society has taught you that you should be, or your parents, or your toxic family, or whomever. But literally, like, what, do you, what values are you? supposed to have in order to feel good about yourself so then what people start to do is they essentially start to reframe what they want to be and then they obviously start to try to achieve it and then when they do that they can look back and say you know what here are all of these different things that i've done and i'm actually proud of myself for doing them so it's so interesting it's like interestingly enough when it comes to the actual cheating right and I hate to use the word root cause, right? Because sort of in the woo culture, there's sort of a bunch of bullshit about root causes where literally if you treat symptoms, it's enough, right? There's no such thing really for the most part in terms of like clinical kind of medical literature of root causes. In this case, there kind of is if you call it a root cause. So it's like reframing that this person, that let's say person A is cheating on you is usually not enough, right? Because what happens is that if you don't actually deal with the belief of I'm unlovable, I'm insignificant, I'm unworthy, then what's going to happen is after some time, these thoughts are going to keep popping up and maybe they'll even start stop using the thought record because they'll go back to the thinking of oh my god this thought is so strong no 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 maybe the thought record is crap maybe i've been wasting my time so it's like unless you deal with the quote-unquote root cause right i hate using this term of i'm unimportant i'm insignificant i'm unlovable chances are it's going to keep popping up so the point of this is for you to get to that root cause you have to first show them like hey you know what it's actually unlikely that this person is cheating on you look at all of the evidence in front of you is it possible that maybe this says something about you than it does about them and also then if it does say something about you which probably that's that's the most likely conclusion mm -hmm. then I mean, what would you th think about this as like a possible solution? Because for instance, if you are thinking thoughts like that, mm -hmm. would you argue, I mean, this is a really tough thing to say. Would you argue you have uh, too much time to think of it's not, like it's, it's not, not about, necessarily. No, right? I, it's, here's the thing. People say that a lot of the times. Like, it, uh, like if you had some kind of like, 
per, like something you're really working on or something like That's that actually, maybe you wouldn't think so here's the thing though but like what comes first though so or is it the fact that you feel like shit about yourself that you're so depressed that you can't find a purpose or don't feel the need to or don't feel like it's even possible for you mm-hmm. so I don't know which comes first but the point is that essentially that it always not always I mean I'd say that but a lot of times it comes back to the person's self esteem so with delusional disorder and you know that jealous type it literally the people who have it are 99% they have severely low self esteem they're incredibly insecure so literally the accusation of cheating barring like literally no well considering that let's say there's no evidence chances are obviously that it's coming from your own insecurities and why are you insecure because obviously you feel unlovable so the question is and there's this sort of deep introspective period in therapy where you ask them okay why do you feel unlovable the wonderful thing is sometimes they come up with really like shallow and crappy answers and you could say that to them like dude like do you really think that this makes you lovable and they're like no but you know what like my mom told me it did and it's like yeah but your mom was an asshole and they're like you know what or my dad whomever right and they're like yeah you know what that actually makes sense so then we go to a reframe of like okay so think about it like this right if let's say there's no such thing as human value right and any sort of philosophical sense right where this value in itself just doesn't exist right so it's something that we create Mm -hmm. so if you were to redefine value for yourself right what do you think should make a person valuable and of course this is dependent on society and you know things that we learn obviously this doesn't this doesn't exist in the vacuum so the person might say you know what so being kind makes me valuable being a good person makes me valuable maybe not so much of being intelligent because that's not something i can control but being curious right sort of being open-minded makes me valuable and then they come up with all these values right and then i asked them okay so like in terms of the values that you meet now right or the ones you're working towards right how many of them do you actually feel like you know are associated with you now and they would say shit like at least nine out of ten or whatever that number is and i'm like so how does that make any possible sense so here you have all of these different values but you're saying you're not valuable or unlovable based on what and whose criteria and they would say well you know like my dad used to always say that i was stupid and i was ugly and i would say yeah but the thing is here's the thing right first of all i mean you can kind of look at the evidence and say you're not stupid but then second of all you even just admitted that being intelligent isn't really a value because it's something that you either have or you don't in terms of iq and it's not really fair to judge someone by it so if you want you can look at it one way where you could say like oh i'm not stupid because here are all of my accomplishments or you can look at it the other way and go even higher and say you know what I don't even care if I'm stupid or not because it's not even like something to be proud of. People are just born or not born with high IQs, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, right? Uh, I mean, technically, an IQ is an actual contract, so I mean, let's say whatever that is. But the point is essentially what the point of therapy is to help them redefine themselves in the way that they want to be defined. And so remember last week we talked about having this core sense of self rather than being situational? That's what this is. It's being able to look at those qualities and say, hey, by the way, I'm not unlovable because I have A, B, C, D, E, right? And let's say... In a hypothetical scenario, somebody still rejects you, right? Oh my God, how come they rejected me, right? Hmm, maybe you think it's possible that they're judging you by the standard your dad was judging you, right? Maybe they think you're supposed to be like super successful, super good looking, right? Famous, whatever it is. And I was like, but is that really something that should make a person feel proud of themselves? Or is it these other things that are actually much more difficult to attain? Because technically speaking, there are lots of famous people. There are not very many kind people. And I, that's, that's literally the truth. I mean, like people who are consistently kind. I don't mean people who are kind once in a while. So I would ask them, like, what's more important, right? And sort of, this is not really off track, but I think this is a kind of pertinent and important quote. So Bobby Kennedy once said that moral courage is actually a rarer commodity than intelligence. And I agree with that. So there are lots of, yeah, there are lots of intelligent people, right? Honestly, so having a high IQ is not that big of a deal. And I try to, I would tell my kids this, like, in terms of therapy, like, like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I'm like, dude, first of all, there are lots of smart kids. First of all, it doesn't even mean that they're going to be successful, number one. And number two is it's 
actually much harder to be a good person than it is to be a smart person. So if you want to be special, you're better off for working at that quality. That's one. And then there's also, um, you know, Howard Gardner, right? Yes. Yeah, the theory of multiple yes. intelligences. Mm -hmm. There you go. So it's, it, for example, say it's not IQ, that's not where your strength lies. But perhaps you're uh, kinesthetically intelligent, per intelligent. perhaps uh, musically you're intelligent, right. perhaps you know, uh, whatever. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of another one. You know? Well, spirit, they have spiritual. I don't even know what that means. Is that really? Yeah, that's a real, that it's actually things. part of a Gardner's theory. Spiritual. Perhaps meditating. Yeah. I, Perhaps that, uh, focus, attention. I guess. Like I that. don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he used the term spiritual, but I was like, okay, sure. But yes, there are a few of them. You know what sucks? Mm. You know what I hate? Mm. Uh, I love enlightenment, mm -hmm. but I hate the, I hate the word enlightenment. Mm -hmm. I love spirituality. But I hate the word spirituality. Because of the connotations it has. It sucks. Mm -hmm. Because it's weird. It's like we need either a new word. Mm -hmm. We probably need a new word. Because if you really looked up what these things mean, you're like, oh, it sounds good. But then because it's like associated with too many... Yes. Too many, I don't know... Religious. Uh, religious. Yeah. Uh, new religious age concepts. Or yeah. new age, like, but like in the sense of like not the... Because I'm sure there's some of them that are pretty authentic, depending which one you're looking at. Yeah. Depending, because for instance, say you're going into one that talks about like different dimensions and something like that. Fair enough. We don't have the science. We're not right. there. We're, we right. can't. We uh -huh. can't yeah. do that. Theoretically, we can't string theory, but even still. Yeah. But so, I, I I agree. Like if somebody went there with that, fair enough. So uh, I do have a question for you. Yes. So this is gonna obviously kind of be a bit off topic in terms of what we just talked about. So why do you think it's so hard for people to find love? Because they're looking for it. Ooh, what does that mean? I want just to say cool <laughs> answer. <laughs> no, oh show. No, no. You uh, will find, but you must not look. <laughs> I mean, uh, what is love? No, I'm kidding. That song got popped up in my No, I mean, how did. How, what's the question? How do you find love? <laughs> no. Why do you think it's so hard? Why do you think it's so hard? Love? What do you think? Ego. You think so, right? Uh, that's one. Oh, well, how uh, so? If, let's say, you have the belief that you're not good enough, you can already stop yourself from approaching and yeah. things like that. Say. Uh, say you even do approach, say you're just reactive in many ways in terms of like little um, things that kind of just convey that you may be in your head. Mm -hmm. There you go. That That's one thing. Yeah. Um, why else is it hard? Um, maybe because they think they have to look for it, like the first answer. Maybe you don't necessarily have to look for it. Maybe things are actually, like maybe there's actually a paradigm mm -hmm. where it's actually really easy and we overcomplicate the whole process. Right. Um, also with, uh, the advent of social media and all this technology and all that, and all the stimulation, it could be kind of confusing the process a bit for people. Um, it could have been much simpler before, still hard, but simpler than it is now because it's kind of a new, yeah. um, reality to kind of navigate. Mm -hmm. What else? <laughs> Why else is it really hard? Um, Maybe some people think they're experts on it and they could talk about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, but they, they're really not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm joking, but like, but for real, why not? Yeah. Just to put the, you know, cause I'm not trying to come from this yeah. point of view. Um, We're definitely not experts on love. <laughs> you could talk about it. We could definitely talk about it. We're not, talk about not it. expert. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm an expert. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right. So. 
Well, no, I got you. Why else? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's... Uh, fear, there's, I would even say fear of intimacy is a big one, and I, and I think interestingly sure. enough, like this is not something I have like let's say data to back up, and this is kind of from my own anecdotal evidence, so just a warning. Um, in terms of kind of like it seems right from obviously people I've talked to, kind of in different sort of age groups, right? It seems again, no data, so it seems to me that sort of back then, right before social media, and I don't know if social media is necessarily the culprit, but it's definitely a manifestation that I think it was much easier for like our grandparents and our parents to be intimate with each other i'm not necessarily sure if that's the expectation or what or like the expectations they had for each other but interestingly enough right it seems like the cycle went like this or not a cycle or rather the sort of progression or degression went like this so it started out with our parents and grandparents and they're like hey you know like this is what i'm going through and i'm able to share these vulnerabilities with you and then when it came to us right and now with social media where sort of all of the content that we put out is essentially curated perfectly right now we're afraid to be vulnerable with one another it's like if our instagram page doesn't match up who we are and how we present ourselves right god forbid that's ever the case that's one mm -hmm. two i just thought of this uh, i can't believe i didn't think of this before mm. The fact that because we're used to getting everything like instant gratification, yeah. if something does not work out at the very sight of it, a right. lot of people may have make the decision now yeah. as opposed to way back when right. to just drop that person, look for the next one because it's so very easy yeah. to go on Tinder, this, yes. that, whatever such and such. And that's the other thing. There's so many options and I think that's also what makes it hard. So interestingly enough, and I think... We might have talked about this. I know you definitely read about this in terms of making decisions. So what makes it so hard for us is that like we want the perfect choice. And so in terms of kind of strategizing in our brains, right, we're always sort of looking for the better option because we're like, oh, we want the perfect mate. And nothing like that is possible. So like the thing is in terms of strategy, a lot of times you have to accept somebody who's good enough. Going back to Dan Savage and the Love Cast, right? He'll argue that there's no such thing as finding the one that doesn't exist. You'd have to actually be content with the 0.74 out of one. And he says, guess what, asshole? You're going to be their 0.74 because you're not perfect either, and that's okay. So a lot of times what we do is, you're right, I think it's a combination of factors that, first of all, we look for the instant connection, which we obviously cannot have because that's not possible. But then when we don't have it, then we're like, ooh, there are all these other options. Let me go for them. And then we sort of go on this cycle and on this loop where we're just constantly looking and looking and looking and looking and we're like this person's not it that person's not it and then we're just trapped also uh one of the reasons uh i don't know again why i didn't think of it when you asked the question mm. but uh, a lot of times we think that we have to adhere to certain social um to, uh, to certain uh societal standards again like money looks yeah um things along those lines social status in general you know thinking that wit. you have to wit mm -hmm. thinking that you have to adhere to that may actually impact you in a in a harmful way because it'll put you kind of more in your head trying to uh, get to this place that place instead of just kind of this kind of free expression mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's better right. But uh, I, I'm sure you could definitely see where if you had all these variables in your mind that you have to kind of live up to, the moment you didn't, mm -hmm. you would kind of, your self-esteem would sway, how you behave would sway. Right. And for instance, in at least a man-to-woman relationship, she's looking at your behavior all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not like, uh, I found him attractive back then, so he's going to remain constantly attractive to me. You, your, attractive can your attractiveness can change in an instant. Right. So if you do base how you feel and your behavior on all these things that can change at an instant, uh, that will affect your relationship. So yep. if you could find some place where 
you're more uh, steady in your behavior for like for a certain reason that you may right. behave steady like more of a like a confidence like a core confidence mm -hmm. yeah uh, that's probably better off and the other thing I wanted to say is um, a lot of reasons why we might have issues with uh, finding love is also a lack of empathy you're actually not trying to find out or think about what is the other person feeling and by really paying attention to what they're feeling and what they may be experiencing that would lead to a more um, uh, what is a good way of putting it like a like a more like servicing like you service them they service you relationship like, I don't like the word service yeah it, it is what I mean I, when we said that last week too right sort of when you just give yourself up to the other person at least momentarily essentially that you're experiencing that euphoria of transcendence where you're bonding with the other person I actually like that I really really like that idea so and I think when it comes to possess oh and here's the other thing by the way about codependence so it's also when yes it is obviously possessive but yeah, yeah time so no it's just yeah. interesting I actually didn't look at the yeah. time once yeah i was like i could still go <laughs> so interestingly enough so even though it's sort of like codependence well not even though it is obviously possessive right but the thing is when it's possessive right the person doesn't actually care about the other person's feelings obviously in their own sort of mental well-being they might say that they do and they might really believe that they do but they don't so they're, they're concentrating on how they yep so it that's where the accusations come from that's where sort of the jealousy comes from the verbal sort of abuse maybe even sometimes physical abuse especially when it comes to guys they do this i mean this is no secret and the point is that they are only thinking about themselves it's like why aren't you showing me the love I deserve that it's not like oh wow she's tired she has other things to do she's busy she has goals ambitions god she has other like fucking things in her life it's always like me 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 so there's no empathy and there's obviously a sense of possession or desire to possess when you treat the person like an object yeah and it's important to I mean yes you should have respect for yourself you should think about yourself sure but in moderation right right um caring about how the other person feels it's also it's also good because when somebody else feels like you care about them uh genuinely they would actually tend to uh e either reciprocate or at least genuinely appreciate what mm -hmm. it is that you're doing you may have better interactions right. for instance um say you, you you did the proactive strategy you're going out all that and you really were paying attention to how they're acting, how they're behaving. For instance, say um, you uh, meet a girl, you uh, grab her hand, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a handshake, maybe like one of these, something like that. Mm -hmm. But then she, let's say she hesitates or something like that. Well, what do you do? You don't plow through and just keep holding right. her hand or something like that or go with action. You're like, oh, you may apologize, actually. That shows social acuity you may, you, and empathy. Because you'd be like, oh, that was strange. Right. Now now you look like somebody who understands what's going on. The other person feels understood as mm -hmm. well. Right. And they'll let you continue the interaction. Right. Not let you, but you know what I'm saying. You, you'll, you'll end up having the interaction continue, for instance. Mm -hmm. That's just one case. Right. But yeah, showing uh, empathy is, is very important. It, it can actually influence how the entire interaction goes. Yeah. Um, Oh, and I'll even give you an example yeah. of that, interestingly enough. And I'm like, the point of this is definitely not to sort of puff on my chest and say, oh, look how mature I am. But it just puffed up. <laughs> <as well. laughs> 
<laughs> I hear you because it's obviously because we're on radio or whatever podcast. But I mean, for me, this was like a, this was a proud moment in my life. So there was this girl that I was like chatting with online, and I think it was probably like uh, when was this? Maybe about two years ago, right? And I think I told you guys the story today. So she was like, so she told me, so she flaked on me, right? So she completely flaked on me. But then she wrote me this really wonderful letter, right? And she's like, you know, I'm really sorry, but I'm just not ready for a relationship. She's like, I really liked you, and I thought that you know maybe it could have been something, but she's like, unfortunately, I'm not there. So obviously, I kind of two choices. I could say, oh, fuck you. You know, I don't want anything to do with you. You liar. You scumbag. Whatever, right? So, but like, yeah. <laughs> so honestly, and that's where the empathy sort of comes in. But like the other part of me was like, like, no, she was really honest with you. And a lot of people aren't. They just ghost you. And like, to be honest with you, as a quick side note, it's actually much more hurtful when they ghost you because then you have no idea what's going on. So interestingly enough, so like I wrote her this letter back and I was like, like, thank you so much. Like, holy shit. Like, this was pretty amazing. Like, I hope you know whatever, whatever you're going through, you get through because obviously it seems pretty important so then like literally a year later we got in touch with each other and i was like hey how are you doing and then she's like hey like what's up and i'm like so like did everything work out okay and then she's like oh like i'm still kind of scared and i haven't really been with any and she like really gave me this detailed story and i was like wow and she's like like i really haven't been with anybody exclusively but like she's like but i'm still like not looking for that because and this is the part she didn't tell me at first she's like actually when i like started talking to you she's like i just broke off with like my fiance and i was like wow like so i completely understood and she's like yeah like and she's like i wanted a date but then i realized i wasn't ready and then she's like and even still i'm not ready so and the reason why we didn't go out or anything was because she actually moved so at the time where we talked she was still living in new york and then she like moved to seattle mm -hmm. and i was like okay so this is not gonna happen so but we ended off on good terms yeah because she was empathetic and, yeah. and also you were empathetic back right and I, and I think that that's so, and here's the thing. And so it's, it's a group. Yeah. Sorry, actually, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I mean, here's yeah. the thing with empathy. And I know like our friend Liz makes a really good point where she says, and this happens a lot, like where it's hard for girls to like be honest with guys because obviously they're really aggressive. And so it's hard for them to say, like, even if, so she says, and I definitely believe her, like when she's like, even when I'm nice to them and say like, Hey, these are the reasons why I'm not interested. And they're like, nothing hurtful. They'll still be like, Oh, you bitch. Like, how dare you? Whatever. Like that. I absolutely get. So I think it, yeah. So. I think it's sort of different obviously when you so for this girl technically speaking she could have like ghosted me and said like oh there's a good chance that he'll do the same thing I don't know why she didn't that was obviously grateful she didn't but I think that also like that kind of factors in in the sense could it be that she's cool yeah can you believe it there's actually <laughs> cool people out there but then again it's one of those weird examples right. where you're like whoa one of the many but then again she also took a risk one of the few well she took a risk and I think that that's really important because a lot of times the girls who don't do that and this is something that I had to learn because I was pretty hurt by the times I was ghosted but what I had to learn was that a lot of times they ghosted me because A they don't know me B they're fearing my reaction not personal because A they don't know me so I get why they don't do it but I really do like when we can actually have these conversations with each other especially because like she didn't owe me that that was the thing like i actually never believed that she owed me that explanation i don't know her number one number two even if i did she's, she could do whatever she wants but the fact that she gave that to me i was like wow holy shit this is so cool that would have been such a good relationship man if that ever worked out my god oh and by the way she was a phd student and fucking brilliant so when i pictured us together i was like oh my god so uh there's another thing i'll say this is not very pc mm. but a friend said this to me one time after I uh, had a breakup, mm -hmm. and it was the most strangely profound thing I've ever heard. Mm. He, so, he said, sometimes, you know, when the girl, when you guys break up, sometimes it's not your fault. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes she's just fucking dumb. And I was like, wait, what? 
He's like, sometimes she's just fucking dumb. <laughs> I said, like, what do you, like, why'd you, huh? Right. And then I was like, and I, I was trying to see what he's saying. Right. Because right. I, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, are yeah. you just like insulting her and just right. saying that? Or are you just being helpful to me or what? And he's like, no, I mean, really, like, uh, what if her perception is just not, like, for instance, for how you behave, what if, like, like, look at her behaviors. For instance, she was somebody who didn't have the best behaviors, um, uh, was just uh, home a lot, didn't work, uh, didn't take care of herself very well. So she was depressed? Uh, no. Mm, kind of uh, maybe, like, yeah, perhaps. Kind of, kind of I don't know. Like a, uh, she didn't seem that way before, but then, like, when when you like break it down, I was just like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, but long story short, uh, by the way, the person that I'm talking about, it's it's not talking about the girl that I was with. Okay. It's talking about the girl he was referencing as oh. an example okay. for me. It, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the person I, I was uh, with was still actually uh, actually very cool, and I'm still friends with them to this day. Right. I'm not trying to say anything, right. but. That thing he said, though, I was just like, huh, yeah, what if she's just, <laughs> like, what if, like, just, like, we're just not, we're not, we don't meet at the same place, you mm -hmm. know, like, what if just whatever my characteristics are and her characteristics are just don't mix, or what if just her perception is off, what if my perception is off, too, and you have to think of that as well. And I think it is important to consider all the options here, right. but that was interesting because usually I never go to that, I never think, like, Oh yeah, what if they're just? Right. What if they're just not thinking right? Like oh, oh and then also, what if I'm not thinking right? That's right. the first. And then I also, think, yeah. I, oh, here's the other thing. Oh, interestingly enough, yeah. so you know what studies actually also show? So in terms of like, obviously, I can't know if this was the case with you, but here's why I'm making this point. So what studies actually show is that sometimes, right? This actually, well, what studies show is this happens actually with like the same sex, but I can imagine that this would transfer over to the opposite as well. So interestingly enough, let's say you're two different, you know, kind of people in the room, right? So one is a perspective, let's. Say they're an interviewer you know prospective employer and the other person is a prospective employee so interestingly enough when it comes to the same sex with men and women when the resume is sort of threatening to the potential employer where it's like whoa like this person has accomplished so much and like objectively speaking like you can see that what they actually do is they devalue the potential employee and they say ah they're not that great because of x y and z so interestingly enough because our self-esteem is so fragile and i literally mean this sort of globally i don't just mean like for particular people i mean for all of us some extent so because our self-esteem is so fragile sometimes we meet people who we believe to some extent or some deep level are really great but because we don't believe we can have them we kind of devalue them in our minds and i think when going back to what i said earlier when i used to make those ass like shitty jokes and asshole jokes about like you know to the girl right essentially i was doing that and i don't even think i was doing it consciously to think back at it i think i literally felt that about the person and now that i'm only obviously able to think back at it i think the reason why i was devaluing them is because i was like wow like they're so great there's no way that she would ever want to be with me. So I'm like, let me just sort of, and this again, unconscious, right? So let me just kind of put her down to either bring her down to my level or make her feel feel The inferior. confidence preservation. Right, right, right. 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 Yeah, so if yeah. You, uh, for instance, that is very important too. You really do need to think of it from all angles. Right, so she could just be angle. dumb. I mean, technically speaking, right? It could be that maybe she okay, felt like... Okay, or, or, mm -hmm. or t also to the point that you're saying, I could just be rash you know for instance i could just be going with that right. for instance like let's say i hear it and it's appealing it's like light bulb ha ha this right. is great it could actually be true but on the other side what if yes what if i'm rationalizing or just putting her down to uh maintain my confidence well, that depends on the evidence obviously that's that's right. one and then two actually it is interesting to consider what is the most useful for you for instance if you were to think like what would 
Yeah, that's very interesting because why would you want to uh, maintain your confidence from an evolutionary perspective? Right. Because it could affect other parts of it could affect other things in your life. You right. need to maintain your yeah confidence, and um, but if you want to be base things on truth, you really do need to think of it from multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We're like an hour and a half. All right, Alan. Final thoughts. Mm. What do we have for the audience before we go? On love. Love. If you're gonna love. Love somebody. This is gonna sound cheesy. <laughs> well, I was gonna say you're gonna love love authentically. Yeah. No, but that's no. A real... Actually, yes, I would agree with that. No, it's a real statement. I yeah. just uh, the word authentic carries so many. Well, love with intimacy, like literally, be honest and vulnerable with your partner, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, like, try to be really empathetic, really care, like what the other person is thinking, what they're feeling. Um, a demonstration of that shows them that you are you have some kind of social acuity and like you kind of read them and understand them and when somebody feels understood they're more likely to kind of uh, let their guard down with you mm -hmm. and kind of um, allow for maybe a relationship to kind of grow from that yeah. um, that's that's like one thought another thought is don't let your ego get in the way again we've talked about the ego uh, several times before in the podcast if you could identify the times that you're identifying it being kind of like your own worst enemy uh, in terms of love and relationships it's definitely good to like recognize when that is this way you don't do it in the future um, there's actually a million different things I could say yeah. well, certainty is important like uh, uh, like just being really confident in what you're saying uh, tends to actually help you out in terms of relationships yeah um, and yeah. I think, and I mean, there's I think, more. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot more. There's a lot but more. But I think also in terms of being indecisive, I think a lot of the times, man, we got to just accept the fact that we're going to find a point seven four, and then that's okay because we're point fucking seven fours ourselves. So the thing is, like, look, man, sometimes point seven five. Oh, <laughs> point seven five. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So the point is essentially that if you find someone good, really try your best to hang on to them because there actually isn't a good chance that you'll find somebody to you that's going to be a point seven four again because that's actually not that high of a match if you think about kind of you know correlation so if you think about like your standard whatever that is is probably super high because like you're a person and whatever they're if they're meeting even a point seven of that standard i think that that's pretty fucking amazing so and another final thought sure also approach go out take action mm -hmm. uh show, prove to yourself that rejection doesn't it won't kill you it doesn't matter mm -hmm. it'll make you grow in from taking that kind of action and being more proactive you'll actually find someone who is uh your i know you said that we we should we could settle for 0.74s and all that but you could find someone who's your internally your, your 0.74 your point i would say you're really fair <laughs> oh enough. god fair <laughs> enough point your 0.74 you're my 0.74 yeah you could you could definitely find that and if you want to follow us and check out more of our episodes, follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on YouTube. And uh, remember to click the bell and subscribe. Follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Instagram mm -hmm. and at Seize underscore podcast on Twitter. Yes. Also look out for us on O4LOnline.com slash 
Seize well, the Moment. It's technically overallonlinenetwork.com slash Seize the Moment Podcast. And so, and I also want to give out, give a huge shout out to the staff members at Overall Online. So number one, the guy who takes care of all of our media content, who's like the fucking king of media, literally. Vegas. Vegas. Yes. yes. So you can follow Vegas on Instagram at Vegas Media Designs. And also our guy, Andy. So Andy also does a hell of a job at Overall. So he covers different types of interviews where he interviewed Angie Thomas, who wrote the, um, the Hate You Give novel. Yeah, so he interviews a bunch of people who have to do with like the music industry, who had like interactions and the relationships with Tupac. And so, I mean, he does a hell of a job promoting our stuff at part two. And so you can find him at Andy O'Farrell. At, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him on Instagram. And God knows where else he could be because he's also kind of all over the place like Vegas. So you could probably find him on a few different platforms. Definitely O'Farrell Online Network. And so just to end off with a question, right? Sort of for you guys, you know, to hope that some of you guys will comment and kind of interact with us and give us some of your feedback. So I would want to know, like, when did you experience love and what was that like? And if you ever had any heartbreak, how did you deal with it? And particularly, how did you deal with rejection? Also, if you want, the question he asked me earlier, too, why do you think some people have trouble finding love? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. right, So, guys, remember (laughs) to seize the moment and have a 